Announcement. First of all, tonight's class is available for dedication. I was uh, just got back from out of town, didn't get a chance to reach out for some dedication. So, if anybody that wants to dedicate tonight's shear is welcome to do so. A big merit. Both the shear and the CD are available. Um, and those who are listening um, um, to the shear via all the ways the shear can get to you uh, you can claim that merit uh, retroactively uh, anytime if you'd like to dedicate that class Yasha Koyach in advance um, I want to remind everyone there are two phenomenal series that are going on right now at Mayan one is during the days of Sphira between Pesach and Shavuos one on Sunday evenings at 8 and one on Tuesday evening. Sunday we have a course on Jewish medicine, our healing tradition. Um, I was there the first class. It was phenomenal. I missed last week because I was out of, um, last night. I was out of town. I hope to listen to it, catch up on it online. And uh, next week, Sunday, May 7th, is going to be the next class. Um, so don't miss that. 8 o'clock, Sunday nights with Dr. Yehuda Frischman. Uh, it's, on turn, it's on alternative medicine, Jewish medicine. Um, and, it, it, you know, you can go to a class on Chinese herbal or whatever, things like that, which he talks a lot about. But it, the beauty of it is that it's so sourced with Torah sources and it's full of amuna and full of light. And you don't get a class like that um, on healing and on medicine uh, usually. So that's a, a great, great, great opportunity to come join. Another phenomenal series... Uh, Tuesday nights by my son-in-law, Rabbi Mendel Zirkind. Um, his first class last week was outstanding. It was on love. Uh, this is Tuesday nights. It's going through the Sefirot. We're counting Sefirot. It's called self-accounting. 
applying the six spheros in our essential relationships. This is really, really, really core, essential elements to life, to be a healthy human being. And uh, to do the inner work that is required during this time, especially if you feel you need to improve your life in any relationship with your children, with your spouse, uh, this is the uh, class to come to. Uh, if you're uh, going into a relationship, even more so. So I recommend everybody, Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock. Um, the class is here? Yeah, last week was the first one, and tomorrow night is going to be the next. Um, it's for men and women. Yeah, it's a very special class. Um, now, um, tonight... We study it's a double portion, Parshas Acharemos and Kedoshim. I'm going to focus on the first Parsha, the Parsha of Acharemos. And um, the Torah begins, the, par, the, the, the Parsha begins with a story that already had taken place, or we had learned about it already two weeks ago. We were studying it over Pesach, those who were learning Chumash over Pesach, Parsha Shmini, and the week after that, in which it discussed the tragic event of the death of the two sons of the high priest of Aaron HaKohen, Nadav and Aviyu, when they passed away on the day of the inauguration of the Mishkan, it says that they offered up um, uh, spices, ketores, um, and they were not commanded to do so, and the fire came out. At that glorious moment when the Shekhinah came down to rest upon the Jewish people, at that spectacular moment, uh, tragedy struck so so in such a powerful way, in such a horrific way, that these two giants, who Moshe tells his brother Aaron, I, I realize that these two are greater than us, than me and you. Excuse me, can you imagine how great they are? And they passed away on that very, 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 very happy day, causing a great stain in the joy or a great uh, a blemish. And uh, you see, you know, the putting of the making of the Mishkan was not the complete joy of Hashem. We're waiting for the third base Amigdash in which it's going to be completed. But one of the reasons is because of that tragedy that happened then. So um, this week's parasha opens up in a connection with what was discussed two weeks ago, which is interesting that the Torah makes an interruption with parsha's Tazria and Mitzorah, which is a whole separation, and now the Torah goes back to the narration of what happened in the aftermath of the passing of Aaron of Aaron's two sons. So it says like this, Hashem Moshe, Hashem spoke to Moshe, after the passing, the two sons of Aaron, when they came close before God, and they died. So um, it's interesting, in Pashas Achremos, it, it, when it speaks about their sin, the Torah doesn't mention anything more than that they came close before God. In Parshas Shmini, it says that they offered ketores. Uh, they offered the spices which they weren't supposed to offer, weren't called for, whatever. Uh, they did something they weren't supposed to do. But here it doesn't say anything. It just says they came close to God and they died. So we need to understand uh, what, is, what exactly is the sin. Is the sin coming close or is the sin the fact that they offered, and as the Torah refers to it over there, Eish Zara, a foreign fire. Okay. Um, we'll take a look at the Midrash. And again, the sin exactly of the two sons of Aaron in Mamare Chazal, in the writings of the sages, is very unclear. 
Meaning there are so many opinions of why they died. Um, we're going to go through some of them soon. And we had discussed this matter in one of the classes on Pashas Achrei Mos. But today we're going to add, and the, I, the essential idea was already discussed then, but we're going to be adding so much more in this in tonight's class. Um, however, I would like to first begin with a medrash. Right at the beginning of medrash, Rabbah, Parshas Achrei Mos. Parsha Chof, um, Sif Aleph. It says, Achrei Mos Bnei Aaron, Reb Shimon Pasach. Reb Shimon began this parsha with a certain drush. He expounded in it by bringing a pasuk. Um, it says in, I think in Kehelas, Hakol kasher lakol, everything in all in all, mikra echad, there is one occurrence, letzadik ularasha, to the righteous and to the wicked. When you learn Kehelas, I'm not even going to try to say uh, Kehelas in English. I don't know why they have such weird names for these. Uh, Eucalyptus, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, in, in any case, in Kahalas over there, it says, There is one occurrence to a tzaddik and a rasha. Bechlal, if, when you learn Kahalas, you have to be very careful, because it's, it's a very depressing book, if you, unless you, you really learn it well, because it's so many, it says so many things over there that, that, that seem to be so, um, Shlomo Melech seems to be very um, unhappy with life. And he points out all the all the all the negative elements. Now, obviously, there's deeper meaning to all of that. If you learn it well, uh, then you don't come into this problem. But you just read it on the surface, you wonder what's going on. Was he experiencing a midlife crisis or something like this that he's so uh, negative? But over there, it says, you know, after everything is said and done, everything occurs the same. Whether you're a tzaddik, whether you're whether you're a rasha, whether you're a righteous person, when you're whether you're a wicked person you still end up with the same fate. Mikra lakol, one. Both of them end up dying, seeming to say. The Midrash over here quotes, what is this equation between Mikra echad, there is one occurrence to the tzaddik and the rasha, to the, to the righteous and the tzaddik. So I'm skipping. First he says, one occurrence to tzaddik and rasha is referring to uh, Noach, who got beaten, got bitten by the lion when he came out of the teva. Noach was a tzaddik. And then there is a much later than that, uh, many many generations later, there is a pharaoh. The pha- much this is not the pharaoh of, Mitzr- of the days of when the Jews went out of Egypt, but many years later, pharaoh Nechei. There was a, a a pharaoh who got who wanted to sit on Shlomo Melech's throne, and the lion on the throne also gave him a bit him on his on his or knocked him on his on his on his on his uh, leg, and he became the limping pharaoh. Since then. So you see Noach, which was a tzaddik, and Paro, which is a rasha, end up with the same, with the same uh, fate. Okay? And it goes through a bunch of people in which you have the same. Then in the end it says, Dovarachar and other pshats, Mikra echad, one occurrence to the righteous and to the wicked. Elu b'nei Aharon, the righteous are the sons of Aaron. By them it says that there were great people, B'shalom, B'mishor, brings a pasuk from Malachi, I guess it's speaking about them. And what happens to them? They died. What kind of death did they have? They died through offering up the Keturahs. And so that's Sadiqim. And who suffered the same fate? A wicked, a wicked assembly. Ula Rasha and a Rasha is Adas Korach. This is the assembly of Korach. Tichsiv Bahon, it says by Korach, Surina, Suruna, depart from these wicked people. 
And, and then we'll see what happened right after that. These people went in to offer, but they offered it through a quarrel, through a fight. Korach and his people fought against Moshe. The Rufim, and they came out burnt. The and these people came in to offer. Avihu also went in to offer Ketores. The Rufim, they also came out burnt. So you see the same occurrence to the Tzaddik and to the Rosh. Now, even though Reb Shimon, seems to be Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, is Reb Shimon is equating, um, is, is, is differentiating that these are tzaddikim and these are rishayim. So there's a clear distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Yet the mere fact that both of them are related to each other and they both got burnt by the ketores and the medrash is 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 um, the medrash is equating both of them together to some degree is a sign that there is some kind of a connection between these two, between Nadav and Aviyu and Korach. So we need to understand, Korach is a wicked person. Nadav and Aviyu were great, great, great tzaddikim. How in the world can we even equate the both? How does the Medrash even put the two in the same sentence and seem to do some kind of a comparison between Korach and Nadav and Aviyu? Now, further on this, Take a look in Zohar. So in the Zohar, there is also some kind of a relationship between um, Korach, but not the Zohar is not equating Korach with Nadav and Avihu. The Zohar, the Zohar equates Korach with another group that gets, that gets burnt in God's light and in God's fire. But these are very, very, very sublime beings. In the end of this week's parsha in the Zohar, there's an equation between, between Korach's assembly and a group of angels called Srafim. There are malachim, there are various different types of malachim. So we know there are generally three kinds of malachim. There are the uh, Ofanim, angels called Ofanim. There's angels called Chayos HaKodesh. And then there's the highest level of Malachim called Tzrafim. And they exist, the, 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 uh, so they exist in three worlds. The Ofanim are the, are the lowest angels. Those are the, the we know that um, we've spoken so many times that creation is divided into three realms, three worlds. The lowest realm of creation is what we call Olam Asiya, the material world. And then there is Olam HaYetzirah, which is the world of formation, is a more spiritual world. And higher than that, even a higher sublime world is Olam Abriya, the world of creation. And angels exist in these three worlds. And of course, there's a very big difference between these various different levels of Malachim. The highest Malachim are called Srafim. And on the Srafim it says, Srafim oimdim mimal lo. That Srafim stand, they're so high these angels, they stand above him. It almost appears like these Srafim are standing above the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah sits on the crown of, it's, when it talks about, when it talks about uh, Zechariah, in, when, he, when, he, when he beholds the chariot of God, so he sees these Malachim called Srafim and they're standing above him. Mimalo, 
So it appears that they're higher than the Shechina, whatever that means. But the Zohar makes an interesting, just showing you how sublime these beings are. But in any case, the Zohar says like this, that, um, the Srafim stand above him. Now these words that they're standing, Mimalo, so the Zohar is translating the word Mimal, meaning not just, they're not above, but they stand against him. That the Srafim are standing against God. What do you mean they're against God? They're opposing Hashem. Because by Korach it also says, there it also says Al Hashem on God on Yud Kevavke, and here it says by the same lashon by them Srafim Oimne Mimaal Al Lo to him to the Yud Kevavke. The beginnehoin because of them who is them, these angels called Srafim, these angels these malachim that are just blazing fire, Isar Mandi Isar the Asemisitrayu. They're the ones who cause Korach's, the, the war of Korach against Moshe was caused by these angels called Srafim. And therefore, the, the Srafim stand against God. Because eventually, as a result of them, comes Korach. So what, again, what are we finding over here? That there's an equation of Korach with those that are burning up for God. And in our parasha we have Nadav and Avihu. If we can find, they were angels, I mean they're humans, but they were like angels. Amongst the angels, which angels were they like? They were like the Srafim. Because what is the nature of the Srafim? They burn up in God's light. Well, that's what happened to Nadav and Avihu. The Pasuk describes, they came close to God. Rashi says they were not burnt in a fire, which the, the verse seems to be implied that a fire came down and burnt them. But Rashi says, no. Because Rashi proves it later. It says, Moshe says, take them in their shirts and bury them in their shirts. It applies that their shirts didn't burn. If a fire came down and burnt them, then they would have been, then their, then their shirts, their clothing would have been burnt in the fire. So Rashi says, from here we see that only their neshama burnt, not their body. So it was some kind of a spiritual burning. What is this spiritual burning? It's similar to the Srafim whose soul, these, these spiritual beings, burn up in God's light. And this is what happened in Nadav and Avihu. And here you see in the Medrash, that the Medrash in our parsha equates Korach, which the, the Medrash says is wicked, to these tzaddikim, and they're tzaddikim, but yet there is an equation amongst them. And, taking, and again, consistent with the Zohar, where the Zohar says that even the Serafim, which are such, such high malachim, are somehow at fault for the war of, for the fight of Korach, for the rebellion of Korach. And they're all on the same line. And it's considered against God. So the act of Nadav and Avihu, even though it's so holy, you could, Moshe Rabbeinu says they're even holier than me and you, is considered against Hashem. And on Rosh Chodesh, Hashem says, Avihu elai kapara, olai kapara, bring a kapara, an atonement for me, which we know there's a special carbon chatas that's offered on Rosh Chodesh. And God says, bring a kapara, bring an atonement for me, whatever that means. But the words are, Haviyu Olai, bring a kapara for that which is, the Zohar is saying, for that which is Olai against me. 
There is something in this in this in the in in, in, in existence that I created that works against me, and I need an, and I created that, so I need an atonement for that. And who is who is in that category of being a lie against Hashem? Well, Nadav and Aviu, the Srafim, um, uh, Korach. What's going on over here? How can we even? What's the relationship? What's going on? So to understand this, uh, let's get a little better understanding in what was the sin. So again, Chazal mentioned many, many things about the sin of Nadav and Aviud, the two sons of Aaron. Um, and again, the Pasuk says they offered an Eish Zara. Simply it means they were not commanded to go ahead and take the Torah's the incense, and to bring it in and burn it during that time. They were not commanded to do so. And they went ahead, and they did it against, against they were not told, and they did it, because they were excited, and they went and they brought Ketoris. Now from the Pasuk, it seems to imply that the sin was, it says, They took their pan, they put into it fire, and they put on it the spices. They offered it in front of God. An alien fire. So according to some of Arshim, and I see it in the Orachayim, and I remember it from the past, but where else it says so, is part of their sin was that when you offer Ketores, it's offered in the, in the small altar, in the Mizbeach, in the Beis Amigdash, in the Mishkan, there were two altars. There was an inner altar, Mizbeach HaPnimi, which was inside the tabernacle. And that was a korban in which you didn't offer any animal sacrifices, only ketores. Okay? Every day, it was ketores was offered in the morning and in the evening. Then you was Yom Kippur, in which ketores was offered in the Holy of Holies. Fine. But this Mizbeach is only for ketores. Then there is the outer altar, in which in the outer altar is which we're always burning. And over there we're offering animals. The burning of the, all the sacrifices, that was in the courtyard. Now how did you get fire on the outer altar? No problem. Every day the Kohanim would make, put up wood, and they would make a big, big, big fire, uh, a big stake, a big fire, a big uh, whatever structure of wood uh, to make the fire on the outer altar. They actually made more than one fire. There's a machlokus in the Gemara. How many fires there were? Three fires or maybe four fires. Maybe two fires according to one opinion. According to one opinion. Three fires according to another opinion. Four fires every day burning for different purposes. And But there was one big fire. Then how did, you, how did the inner Mizbeach get fire? Now on the inner altar there wasn't a fire burning all the time. Before they burnt the Ketores, they took coals from the outer altar... And they brought those coals in to the inner altar. They took from the Mizbeach HaChitzayin and they brought it into the Mizbeach HaPnimi. And on top of those coals that came from the outer altar, they burned the Ketores. Now the Chait, the Arachayim says, the Chait, the sin of the two sons of Aaron, was that they took fire that did not come from that Mizbeach. They took their own fire. Because you have to take which fire... The fire from the outer altar, and then you have to bring it into the inner altar. They didn't do that. They took a, they took another fire, not coming from the outer altar, and that was the sin. And he says clearly, had they not done that, it could be 
he says, Maybe if they would take fire from the Mizbeach, God would not have been Makbid on it, Kolkach. Hashem would not be so Makbid, not be so, so it wouldn't have reacted this way. In any case, so that seems to be the idea that they took an Azar. Again, either the whole Ketores is Zara, because they were not asked to bring Ketores, or from the Pasuk it seems to imply it wasn't the Ketores that was Zara, that was foreign, it was the fire that was foreign. It was a foreign fire. Because it did not come from the outer Mizbeach, they took their own fire. Now Chazal give a whole bunch of other reasons why they passed away. Chazal say a reason is because they didn't get married. They never did. And the, Gemara actually, and the Gemara says the reason they didn't get married, the Medrash says that they said, who is worthy to marry us? Who? My father, our father is the Kohen God. Well, our uncle is the king. We are princes like this. No girl is worthy of us. So they never got married. It's a Pasuk in Tehillim that says, Bachurav Achlu Eish, his youngsters, his Bachurim, the Bachars, the, the young men were eaten by fire. Because they did not praise the girls. They felt that there was not one girl in the world, there weren't any girls who were worthy for them. So it seems to be some kind of an arrogant chas And that how many girls that were waiting to marry them, and those girls remained agunas. They remained unmarried because they didn't marry them. And that was their punishment. So there's some element over here of not being married. Then there is another explanation that's given. They died because they, drew, they took a little lachaya before they went. That's why right after the story of uh, the chait, after the passing, the Pasuk warns that you should not drink any wine. They drank wine. They drank wine when they went into the base of Mikdash. So on and so forth, the Gemara gives another few reasons. I'm not going to go through all of them. Just that I don't remember right now all of them, and not all of them are exactly consistent with what I do want to say, but most of them do fit with what we're going to be learning today. I'm sure all of them fit with this because it's the idea, the essence of it, just to be able to figure the others out. But most of the things that Chazal say fall completely because you have to figure out, are these different opinions or are they all really one idea? And there's one pagam, there's one chisar, and there's one element over here that's really the root of all of this. So let's take a look a little bit at the Zohar. What the Zohar says on... Uh, on this, um, so there's a Zohar over here, a passage in the beginning of Parshas Achremos. The um. Tanya, Basar Chad Ksiv, in one place it says, Bahakrivam Eish Zara that they offered, the reason they died was because they offered an alien fire. But in another place it says, and they came close before God. So again, so the Zohar is wondering, which one is it? Is it because they stepped close? Or is it because they offered something that should not have been offered? Again, in Parsha Shmini, it blames it on the act that they did, not on the fact that they came close. On the act that they did, they brought in a fire. Vahai, so the, so the, the, the Zohar answers in our Parsha. Vahai, Vahai, Heva. These are two sins. Both of them were there. Obviously, 
It's not like they did many sins. There is one nekuda, there's one point over here that contains both these things. They came close, and as a result of that, or included in that is that they, they brought in a foreign fire. Okay. They came close. Now there's a Zohar in Pasha Shemini. This is the Zohar over here, and I'll quote to you another Zohar in Pasha Shemini, which the Zohar says that the reason, get a little bit into what happened, that they, that they, um, the reason that they died. So the Zohar says, Tanan we learned, Bahu Yoima, Chedvasa the Knesset Yisrael, Havas. That day was the joy of Knesset Yisrael. Knesset Yisrael, we always know, is the Shechina. It's the day of the joy of the Shechina. Why? Because Hashem came to reside down in this world. And we know that the Shechina resides in this world. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem Himself, the infinite light, came down to rest. So we had a perfect marriage. We had a union of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shechina. Hashem came down to rest together with the Jewish people down here below. And everything should be unified. All worlds would be unified. And therefore, it's a time to bring Ketores. Because Ketores comes from the word as bonding. When they saw everything coming together, heaven and earth meeting, all of all worlds unifying together for the first time of history, there is such a cosmic unification of all levels and everything is connecting. Because from the very, very quintessential hot, transcendental essence of Hashem. The, his light is permeating all of existence. It's filling all worlds with light, with blessing, with bracha. And as His light is filling all of existence all the way down here below, so that's a time of Ketores. Ketores means bonding. Ketores unifies everything. That's why it's called Ketores. They came along and they tied everything together. They brought Ketores. They bl- blended everything together in that act of Ketores. However, they left one being out. They left one level out. Vishadu la lebar. Vishadu la lebar. They left her outside. They, they blended everything together, but she was left outside. They didn't take her along. Again, there's a mystery of who that her is. But they left her outside. But they did connect something else. Hear this. Because they left her out, they ended up including in this union someone who doesn't belong there. That's why he warns them afterwards, with this Aaron should come. Zos is that woman that they left out, that female level that they left out. So what does Hashem say to Aaron right now? Again, I know it's a little mystical and a little abstract, but it's all going to come together soon. They left some kind of a her out. What they left out is the Shekhinah, which is her. They left out the level of Malchus. They left out... She, did not, she was not included. 
So what does Hashem warn them afterwards? and do not come in without her. Bizos Yavoy Ara. We know there is Zeh and there is Zos. Zeh is referring to Hashem. Zekelivianvehu. Zos is referring to the Shechina. The Emuna called Zos. Shechina is called Zos. Shechina is called Emuna. Emuna is feminine. The Emuna called Zos. Emuna is called Zos. So the Tosis Pasik is saying, Aaron should come with Zos, should not leave Zos out. Again, all of this is so practical. It's not abstract ideas, even though it begins in, an every, in, a, in a great abstraction. Follow along, bud. Okay. And, in, and in many ways, they caused, they, they ruined the joy of the Shekhinah of Knesset Yisrael. In many ways. One is they didn't get married. And because they weren't married, they were not fitting that the world should be blessed through them. You hear that? Because they were single and they were not married, they could not bring down the bracha. It also wasn't the right time. And also because they pushed it, okay. Uh, but then... They offered a... Alien fire, Vadai Mila Achra is Kashru Bikashurida. They connected something else in this connection. And the Sharullah Knesses Yisrael Labar. But they left the Shekhinah Knesses Yisrael outside. Someone, because they left her out, something came in instead that shouldn't be there. We'll see in a minute. Amalei Repinchas, or Repinchas comes. Don't be so harsh on them. Don't say that they left. It's interesting, Rabbi Pinchas is the one who says this. Because we know that Pinchas is the incarnation of Nadav and Avihu. That's what it says. That Pinchas came down to be a tikkun on Nadav and Avihu. Part of, it can't be that they incarnation full Gilgal because Pinchas was alive when they, were, when they died. But what it means is that some element of their neshama was reincarnated into Pinchas, attached itself to Pinchas. And it says when Pinchas did his act of kanos, and he became the Kohen, he did a tikkun on their neshama. So Pinchas, even though it's not the same Pinchas, it's Pinchas from the Zohar, I'm just making the connection. It could be that's why it's Amareb Pinchas, who Pinchas says, don't say this is what they did. They didn't chas v'shalom leave the Shekhinah out. It just, they did not affect that Knesset Yisrael, the Shekhinah, should be connected through them. Their actions did not impact the Shekhinah, that she too should be included in this great union, in this great unification. Why? It's not because they did it on purposely, it's just because they weren't married. Because every place where you don't find male and female, Knesset Yisrael Asharia Bnei Yuklal, the Shechina cannot dwell there. The Shechina cannot dwell where there is only male and no female. Begin kach, and that's why Azar lekahani. That's why right afterwards Hashem warns the Kahanim. The Chesivit says Bezos Yavai Aaron El Hakodesh. With this they should come, and this is referring to the Shechina. It's referring to the level, the feminine level. Why the yishtakach tchar v'nukba? There should be male and female. Valdol and that's why we know 
one of the interesting halachos, the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, the first Mishnah in Mesechtis Yuma, dealing with the service of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur on the holiest day of the year, discusses the idea that the Kohen Gadol has to be married. So much so, even though at the time on Yom Kippur he is the farthest away from his wife as possible. Because seven days before Yom Kippur they already separated from his wife. He shouldn't have any relationship to any material physical elements. He's completely disconnected from earthiness, from the physical world. So he doesn't live with his wife. For seven days he goes into a total state of precious, of separation. But yet, even in that most sublime moment, he has to be married. And Matzah Yom Kippur, he goes back home to his wife. So at the holiest moment he has to be married. So much so that they're worried just in case his wife might die. And then she'll jeopardize the whole thing because he'll be unmarried. They prepare him another wife just in case. So he shouldn't be chas v'shalom without a wife on Yom Kippur. It is so important, that idea of male and female, that should be one unit and be married for, for the holiest avodah to happen. So we need to understand all of this. What is happening over here? And therefore he says, they left. But the main thing is, Knesset Yisrael was left outside. So we have a whole bunch of things that need to come together over here. What does this mean? Knesset Yisrael is left outside. Shechina is left outside. Now in order to be in this, we say bizos with zos. Aaron should come to the Kodesh only when he has Zos and not without Zos. But as a result of that, what happened? Vayakrivu, they offered a Zara, an alien fire. And what did I say earlier? The Arachaim says a Zara means they didn't take it from the outer altar. Remember that. They took fire not from the outer altar. But the Zohar says it means that they're bringing something in. And because the Shekhinah is not there, somebody else is getting in there that shouldn't get in there. So what's happening? What is going on over here? And the answer over here is as follows. And that is, we've discussed this already many times, that, that the, 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 the purpose of, our, of the Jewish people in this world is to, as a result of our Torah and mitzvahs, and our avod in this world, we bring the Shekhinah down to rest down here below. We bring God down into this world. We make a dira, we make a home for Hashem, in the lower worlds. How do we accomplish that through all the Torah and mitzvahs that we do? We draw Hashem's light down into the world. We draw Hashem's essence into the world. Every mitzvah is funneling and channeling. Every mitzvah is a limb of the king. And through all the just like a limb, through the limb, the soul flows. A person's soul is enclosed in the limbs of his body. And through the body, when you want to actually connect to someone, so you can pull them. You pull their body, and when you're pulling their body, you're putting the, pulling their soul. When we want to pull God down into this world, when we say pull him here into this world, he's here anyway. What do we mean we're pulling him? Meaning pulling him means that he should be openly manifest and revealed in this world. When Mashiach comes, it is a, is a result of thousands of years, of millions of Jews across the world, learning Torah, doing mitzvahs across the entire world, bringing Hashem down into this world, ultimately to be revealed when Mashiach comes. That's the purpose of all of creation. However, as a hachanan, as a preparation to be able to bring the Shekhinah down, there has to be a, 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 a something that, pre, pre, that precedes that, but it is a hachanah, but a very, very, very important hachanah, a very, very important preparation for that. And that is, there needs to be what we call prayer, and longing, and love. Because the only way to call God down into this world is if we're calling Him, if we're excited about Him. Just doing mitzvahs dryly, robotically, mechanically, without any intention of having a relationship with God, 
doesn't accomplish that which it needs to accomplish very much. I can't say it doesn't accomplish at all, because every mitzvah has an effect, even if the person is totally mindless when they're doing it. A mitzvah has an effect, but it's a very, 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 very minimal, minute effect compared to when a person is doing the mitzvah with the right kavana, with the right intention. And what is the kavana? What's the intention? The kavana intention is, I desire to, to connect to God. Which means I appreciate and I understand who Hashem is, and I want to get close to Him. And then I realize that how do I get close to Him is through Torah and mitzvahs. So that's why the way we set up our day is that in the beginning of the day we pray. And prayer is not supposed to be just a time in which we request our needs. That's a very, very, very superficial understanding of prayer. Prayer, according to Hasidus, in a deeper way, is to bond, to cleave. Like we find by Chana, who's the person who's considered the one who davened, says, V'eshpoich I'm pouring out my soul. True, she was pouring out her soul because she wanted something, she wanted children. But the idea of tefillah is represented in the idea of the eshpoich nafshi. it's a pouring out of the soul. The soul wants to cleave and, and, and connect Hashem. And as a result, there's a statement of the Zohar where the Zohar says, Ruach, I see Ruach, Amshi Ruach. When there is a Ruach, when there's a spirit from below that is, that is yearning, I see Ruach, it draws down a, the, the spirit from above. The spirit from below, longing, pining, thirsting, desiring to draw Hashem down, will cause a reciprocation that God will come down. If we desire Him and we want Him, then He will come as a result of our Torah mitzvahs. And this idea is, is sometimes referred to in, in, uh, in Jewish mysticism as the concept of Ratzoi Veshuv. Ratzoi means the racing excitement in which one wants to cleave, one wants to bond, wants to connect himself to Hashem. Shuv is the act of the mitzvah that comes after that yearning and after that longing. Once you desire and you want to cleave and you want to connect to Hashem in a very deep way, then Shuv, you, you bring, you realize that Hashem is infinite and above, and the only way you can really have Him is to draw Him down into the physical world through a mitzvah that you do. Now sometimes it's possible that the experience of the rutzo, which is the erasing, the excitement, the fervor to get close to God can reach a point where it gets overly, overly intense. And over, the excitement just grows and grows and grows until it raptures to a point where it becomes excruciatingly difficult to be able to stop yourself from what would happen the next stage. And the next stage is when someone truly, truly experiences the divine and a true deep you should love God with all your heart with all your soul and then reaches the ultimate point of davening which means beyond all your soul there's a longing and, a, and, and, and that desire because one senses the ain't self and the soul at, at that moment senses the infinite light of God and it feels trapped and constricted in the physical trappings of the body. And it can't bear the fact that its body is not allowing it to truly experience the, 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 the real richness and the infinite bliss and ecstasy of the Ein Sof. So at that moment, here's a very dangerous moment. At that moment you have the danger of Misas Nashika. Misas Nashika means the death of a kiss is where the soul becomes so enthralled, so, in, so, so close to the sweetness of the ain't self that it just allows itself to slip away from the body.
First, it disconnects from all physical senses. It's called dispashta sagashmis. It's called physical detachment. See, today's days, most of us don't have this problem. We don't even relate to anything like this. But Tzadikim uh, did live with this as a constant struggle. To be able to live in such a state of espashtos agashmes, where one reaches a point where their physical, physical senses actually stop. They don't see, feel, or, or recognize anything physical because they're in such a spiritual trance and in a real way. They're really, really connecting and sensing the godly, the, the light above. And, they're, and, and to a point where the neshama just floats away from the body and becomes absorbed in Hashem's light. And so that's a wonderful thing. The word Sadiqim who passed away that way, like Avram, the others died, Misas Nashika, Moshe and Aaron died, Misas Nashika, Miriam died in this blissful state. However, by them it wasn't a sin because there came the end of their life and God initiated it. God reveals himself to their soul so intensely that he overdoses them with his light. He gives them an overkill of his, of his glory, of his ecstasy, of the bliss of his light, and they're just sucked into Hashem's light. Of course, it's the most beautiful way to die. And that's what big tzaddikim die. But that's only after 120, after the time has come that a person is meant to leave the world. However, if a person decides to do that while you're still on a mission, while you're still meant to be down here and illuminate the world with godly light, and chasr, that's called a sin. It's a sin because even though you're in a very, 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 very... It's a very holy sin. It's the holiest sin possible because you're dying from an overload of holiness. But holiness, just because it's holy, doesn't mean it's accordance to God's will. If it's against God's will, because that God doesn't want that. If God doesn't want that, it's unkosher holiness. Interesting idea. It's not kosher holiness. It's high, it's such kedusha you can't imagine what kind of holiness it is. But it's not kosher. Because that's not consistent with what the Eberster wants. And Hashem wants the soul to be down here in the body so it can shine, bring Hashem's light down into the world. The, 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 the phrase in Sefer Yetzirah is, Imratz Lipcha, if your heart is racing, Shuv Le'echad, return, Le'echad, return to oneness. Return to, return, Shuv, return. Don't allow that to happen. Shuv return, le'echad. What does it mean, le'echad? Echad is revealing God within the creation. Because echad means Hashem, Hashem is unified with all of creation and all of existence. The Aleph is referring to God. Ches and Dalit refers to the Ches is eight, seven heavens and the earth. Dalit is the four directions. So Ches and Dalit is all of space. Aleph, Ches, Dalit is God, is the reality of heaven and earth. The reality of my life. The reality of my physical body. The reality of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The reality of, of, all, of, all, of all physical phenomenon. Oh, and when a person is holding by this state of ecstasy, spiritual ecstasy, of the rapture of the neshama that it wants to leave and race away and pull out of the body, then the neshama is fleeing away from Echad. It doesn't want to find God within the world, it wants to escape the world, run away from the limitations of creation. But that's what Hashem says, I don't want you to do that. I want you to come back down, shuv, return Echad, and make Echad in the world. Live a physical life, but eat, drink, sleep, be married, have a family, be a person in this world, do business, interact with people, have a social life, talk to people, be involved, 
But everything you do, find the godly purpose in it. Reveal me within the physical world, within life. That's the purpose. That's shuv le'echad. So that we all know the famous story, the sages tell us, there were four giants, Torah giants. The Gemara says, The Gemara says, There were four tzaddikim who went into the paradise. They went into the esoteric studies. You see, in order to come to this state of ecstasy, of close anefesh, where the soul is departing from the body, it requires knowledge of the mystical world. You've got to learn a lot of chassidus. You, gotta, you have to have the information. You have to know. You have to, well, you have, to have what to meditate on. People that don't learn any, anything of the abstract realms of the higher realities to know Hashem in a deeper way, then how are they supposed to experience this, this ecstasy? So they learn, you learn a lot of Kabbalah, Hasidus, and things like this. It gives you insight into Hashem, and through that, and then you meditate upon them till these things become very real. And to the point where they, they, they open up like, like, a, like an experience of prophecy. They open up to your nefesh, you feel them, you sense them. So there were four that went into this from amongst the sages, even though we know the study of paradise was a lot, a lot of Chachamim studied. The four specifically went into the paradise to study into the orchard of the, ex, of the esoteric elements of the Torah. Rabbi Akiva, Ben Azai, Ben Zoma, and Achar. So the Gemara says that Ben Azai, Hitzitz um, Vemeis. Ben Azai, his name represents intensity. Azai means intense. So the Talmud says about him that one time he was studying Torah and he had a fire burning around him. Literally, the place was in flames. And the students and Rebbe, people came to Rabbi Akiva and told him, you know what's going on? Go to Ben Azai's shul. He's giving a drasha, he's teaching and he's engulfed in flames. He wasn't burnt. Physically he didn't die, but he was standing amidst the flames and he was teaching. So Ben Rabbi Akiva came running and Ben Azai said, why are you here? They were, they were good friends. And Rabbi Kiva says, I heard that you're learning and there's fire around you. Are you teaching Merkava? Are you teaching Mahayar? Are you teaching Hasidus? Are you saying a Mimer? Are you giving higher teachings? He said, no. And he just said, I'm just happened to be learning. I'm teaching Torah and Torah is compared to fire. Whatever. See, Benazai, his learning was with such love. So the Talmud says about Benazai, that Benazai didn't get married. He actually gave a whole drasha in which he spoke about the importance of getting married. And now if someone who doesn't get married, it's as if he's spilling blood. So he, ben Azai gave a whole drasha in which he said that, he, that someone who doesn't get married is a shayfich dam. He's a murderer, God forbid. So I think Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said to him, but hold it, what's with you? You yourself are... So he says, what can I do? Nafshi chashka b'Torah. My soul is ablaze with Torah. In any case, so the, how ben, ben Azai didn't get married. But, but we'll see, it's all connected to what... To, to what we're actually uh, discussing. So what happened when he went into the paradise and he went a little too deep? Hits its vimeis, he couldn't handle it. His soul experienced the bliss of it and his neshama took off and he died. His friend Benzoma, who wasn't as great as him, also went up into the very, very high place, but he couldn't, he, he, he got stuck in the middle. He didn't, his soul did not expire completely. But on the other hand, he couldn't come back down. It's just that he had some kind of a... And he... His mind kind of went, went, went off. He became... He lost it. He lost his, his, uh, his sanity. Yeah? And then Acher um, became an apostate. Elisha ben Avua, known as Acher. But Rabbi Akiva says, He went in in peace. And he came out in peace. Rabbi Akiva was the only one who went in and came out. And he wasn't harmed. He wasn't harmed. Because... And, 
And it says, obviously, the intention is that it should be like Rabbi Akiva, not like Ben Azai. But the question over here is, what is it like? Do you have any control? That's the question. Does one have any control when you're in such a state? Can you even speak to a person when you're in such a state of spiritual, of experiencing such light? I mean, we don't have this, uh, this challenge. But we're soon going to see that this really applies to each and every one of our lives. It's not, I mean, you don't have, to, this concept doesn't only apply if you're holding by these very, very deep, uh, sublime spiritual ecstasy. It applies to every type of, any time we go into any kind of spiritual trance, any type of higher spiritual experiences, we always have to focus it to, towards something. But, but for a moment, let's just go back. So again, what happened? We'll leave that for the end. But what happened over here is, the question is, does someone have any control over themselves? How can you expect someone to have any control over themselves at this, at this in such a high moment? And the answer to that is, that that's where Yeres Hashem comes into play. There is Avas Hashem, there is love of God, and there is Yeras Hashem, and there is fear of God. And Ava, see, this experience of, of ecstasy, to the point of close Hanefesh, comes out of love of Hashem. Your neshama is ablaze with love, fire, burning, it's love. And when the neshama is leaving, leaving, now there's two levels of love. I do want to mention this, it's a very important idea. There's two levels of love. There is a minor level of love called Ava Zuta, the lower love. And there is Ava Rabba, there is a higher love. Ava Zuta, the lower love is when one compares the nature of creation to godliness. One realizes how creation is so inferior and that all the pleasures and all the delights that there are in the world are absolutely nothing compared to the pleasure of the divine. When someone realizes that Hashem is the source of all pleasures, and Hashem is the source of all lights, of all delights, and all energy, and everything that exists only comes from God. So one realizes, what am I going to be ridiculous? Pursue the external pleasures of existence that are so immature, they're so, they're so passing, they're so, they're so fleeting. And I can experience the mocker and the source of life. God is the source of life. And the pleasure of him is endlessly more than the pleasure that he has inside his creations. So what does one want? wants to drop all the physical pleasures. And you want one thing to cleave to God. To cleave to God. That's called the lower love. You want to cleave to God. Meaning to say, you're not looking. You're not looking to completely... Tear yourself away from your body. You just want to live. And you want to connect Hashem within your life. So instead of you know, enjoying physical pleasures and delight, you want to enjoy spirituality, godliness. This drive is to do Torah mitzvahs. Because through Torah mitzvahs, you're cleaving and connecting Tasha. But then there is a higher, higher meditation, which brings someone to what the Zohar refers to as Avarabba, great love. Great love is when one realizes that God is infinitely more than the source of all of creation and the source of all pleasure. The source of all pleasure, that's only a ray of Hashem. Hashem is infinitely beyond, 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 beyond. And therefore, I can't even measure up and say that the pleasures of the world are nothing and inferior compared to the pleasure of God. That's chitzonius, that's external. The real, real appreciation and understanding of Avarabba is that the Abishter is totally outside of it, completely beyond, beyond, beyond. You can't even measure him, you can't even equate him in any way. 
And when one realizes that one doesn't have, one doesn't want to have anything to do with the physical world. Get me out of here. Let me out. I don't want to be stuck in the whole experience of time and space, physical existence. It's not it. It's not it. Because that of God that is revealed within creation is not even a ray of a ray of a ray of Him. It's nothing. I don't want this. I want Him. That's Avas Olam. Avarabah. It's a love from experiencing God Himself. Not Hashem's Hashem's external side as He is the emanator of life, as the the power of, of creation. Way above that. And at that point, one wants to race, break out of creation completely. These two loves, the lower love and the higher love, are connected to two letters of God's name. The Yud Kevavke, the Tetragrammaton, has four letters. So the middle two letters, the He and the Vav, the middle two letters, there's Yud, K, Vav, K. So the middle two letters, the He, the upper He, the first He, and the Vav, they correspond to these two letters of Vav. These two letters of the Yud, of the Tetragrammaton. The lower Vav, I'm sorry, the Vav, not there's only one Vav, the Vav is the love of God where one, Vav is, what is a Vav? A Vav is a line going down. So it represents God's light as Hashem is entering the creation. He's descending. It's a light that you can connect to when you learn Torah and you do a mitzvah. You're connecting to godliness as it is manifesting within creation. As Hashem is descending downward. That's your love. That's what you want. So when you want that and everything, the person is excited. I want to do a mitzvah. I want to learn Torah. I want, I want to collect. I don't want to be involved. External elements of creation. The physical pleasures of life. Nourish kite. I don't need it. I want to cleave to Hashem. Ladovka boy, I want to cleave to Him. That's the vav. The hay is bina, the upper hay. Bina, bina is when you have a much deeper understanding. When you understand that all of this is only all of creation, and even the godliness creating creation, and even this that Hashem is the source of creation, is only the nethermost external levels of Hashem. It's nothing compared to Hashem who's totally outside of it. Out of the upper hay, corresponding to that higher upper hay of Hashem's name, is where you want and you desire complete Complete transcendence. Outside the body. You reach I don't want to stay in a body. I don't want to be here. I want out. Completely out. Nisham is seeking complete transcendence. And unification with God. So what's higher than that? What's higher than that is there is a Yud on top of the hay. The Yud that's above the hay is called the supernal fear. Yira ilah, the higher fear. What happens is as follows. When a person reaches such deep levels of love and of desire to God, suddenly it hits them starkly. Very, they, they suddenly are standing. It's like right there in front of them. They experience the orange self. They experience God. And they're suddenly gripped by fear and start trembling. And they say to themselves, Who am I? Shmendrik, Shabishmendrik. Nobody, Shabbat, nobody. Who am I to dare cleave and connect and to reach out to Hashem Himself? One becomes overtaken by a powerful fear and they start literally shaking like a leaf and they recoil in fear and say, all I can be is a humble servant to my Creator. And they step away from this absorption. It's, and that's called Yirel. And I want to read to you just a few words of the Tzemach Tzedek in which he describes this experience. Um, over here he says, here, let me see these words. Um, he says, and he says, 
he says, he says to his soul, How do I dare step close? Who am I? A small creation. A lowly, a dark, lowly being. My das, my knowledge is so nothing. And I'm so small. Before the infant one blessed to see. Even the most brilliant lights of the supernal worlds are dark before him. That means even the levels of this, even forget about Malachim, forget about it. They're nobodies. Higher Malachim, they're also nobody. Even the attributes, the divine attributes, they're also nobody. Even the light of Kesser is also considered dark. In front of Hashem Himself, everything is dark. Uchem hu kameh is black before Him. Meaning dark, it's nothing. Ubriyo is breishis chordumimenu. And the creatures of, of, of the very beginning, they tremble before Him. Shafilu even the highest worlds. they're the beginning of all of coming into beings. They are all nothing before him. They tremble before him. And I, I feel confident to step up, to feel that I can absorb myself in him. And these are the words he says to himself. loy, it's enough for me. If I can be a wood chopper in front of this great king, I'm accepting that joyfully. I don't have to go up close and feel like becoming... No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stand far and do... What does God want? What can I give him a nachas? Okay. This is a real shiftless. This is called yira ilah. It comes when you suddenly realize the reality of who Hashem really is. The fear that grips the person throws you back. And that's Yiri Allah, that higher fear is, is associated with the Yud of the Shem Havaya of Yud Kevavke. And guess what? It's a much higher level than the love. Because in the love, you're still feeling a little bit of yourself. Initially, when you're loving, you're feeling, I want to cleave. Then you go even deeper than that. You're saying, I don't I want to not be? Oh, so you don't. When you want to cleave, you mean what does cleaving mean? Cleaving means you want to be, and you want to be close. You want to remain in your own existence. Higher than that is, I realize your truth is so much truer than me. I don't want to be me. I want to be you, but it's still who wants? I want. It's still based on self. There's still a sense of self. At this moment, I suddenly overtaken by you, not by me. The Abishter, God becomes suddenly real in your soul, not you. Suddenly, and therefore it throws you back. Hashem is throwing you back, not you're throwing yourself back. So at this moment, you're feeling something much deeper than you, than even your, your desire to be stopped being you. That's the depth of Yireh Allah. It's much higher. But then the question is, if this is what's supposed to happen, how come by some people it kicks in and by some people it doesn't kick in? Not of an aviyu, can we blame them? They, they just somehow skipped that higher, that higher fear. They just missed it. They just passed it. It just didn't happen to them. How come to Rabbi Akiva it did occur? And to them it didn't happen. How come, how come Benazai lost it and, they, and, 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 and Rabbi Akiva didn't lose it? And the answer to that is one thing. We spoke about the Yud, 
the hay and the vav. Beneath all of that is the lower hay. Now what's the lower hay of Hashem's name? The lower hay of Hashem's name corresponds to God being simply the king over the world. The element of God, the lower hay of Hashem's name, Kabbalistically associated with the attribute of Malchus. Malchus means that God is the king over the creation. King means he is the boss. And we have to listen to him. And what it's really saying is as follows. Before you begin any kind of experiences of getting close to God, you have to introduce one thing before everything else. And that is, I accept upon myself, God, you're my king and I'm your servant. This is not about me feeling anything, about me enjoying myself, by me reaching anything, by me becoming great, by me becoming close. It's about me serving you. And that's the introduction. And I recognize that you are a great and mighty, awesome king. And you create the entire world, you sustain everything, and you're the king over the world, and you're the king over me, and I must obey your commandments. And I humbly accept to do everything you tell me to do. That's called the lower fear. Why is it called the lower fear? Because compared to that, what's the difference between the lower fear and the higher fear? In the higher fear, guess what? You had an encounter with God Himself. You stood right before the ginormous Mount Everest. I'll give you an example. And you're looking up at this, you know, 10,000 foot cliff. You're standing, you feel tiny and small. Using that as an example, of course. You're standing in front of the Abishter, and he suddenly he's revealed to your soul, and you shrivel in terror and in fear of his might and his greatness. It's the ultimate of revelation, the higher fear. Here you're not really feeling anything. You're looking, you're, God is completely hidden from you. You're looking at the creation. You don't even see God. But you understand in your head that there is a king over this creation. And that this and you evoke within yourself a fear of God. Simple fear. Hashem is powerful. He's great. He's the creator of the world. He's the boss and we have to listen to him because he's the creator. It's his world. And Chazal used the term Kabbalah Sa'il Malchus Shemayim. That's called Malchus. And that's called Zeh Hashar Hashem. This is the entranceway to God. You can't skip this level. Spirituality cannot become just something that you do because why not? I do my exercise, I have my coffee, I have my this, and I have my spirituality too. It's one of the things. Man, if, I'm, you know, if I have my this and I have my that, and I have, and I have also spirituality, I do my Kabbalah. God forbid. If it's not serving God then it's meaningless because you're skipping the entranceway. And when you skip the entranceway, you're not getting anywhere. In some way that we don't understand, not the Navi, of course, we're very big tzaddikim, but they skip that most elementary level. And that's what we mean they didn't get married on a deeper level. Physically, they didn't get married. But on a deeper level, they didn't get married means they didn't take the element of woman. This lower level is called woman. Isha yiras Hashem. The woman that fears God. Malchus is female, feminine, shechina. It's the idea of fear of Hashem. Just simply fearing God. They omitted this level. And they went into an experience of spirituality and excitement and experience. They went first from the lower love to the higher love. Gvaldik. They skipped that simple fear of the Abishter, that fear of God that is necessary. And here's the thing. If you begin your Yiddishkeit with every morning, with simply saying, what does the Shulchan Aruch say? 
I follow halacha. I don't know anything I'm going to see. Halacha wants me to daven and then it's commanding me to, to, to meditate. I'll do that too. And I'm going to try to evoke love. Let's understand something. If you just have simple Yerush and fear of God, you're not evoking all this infinite light. We said earlier, you need to have the love. You need to have the excitement. You need to have the fervor. You need to have the passion. But that has to have a foundation. The foundation has to be that I am a servant of you, Hashem. So I wake up in the morning and I wash Negelvasar by my bed because God commanded me to do so. And then I follow what Shulchan Aruch tells me to do. How, what, and where. And then I enter into... And then I start developing or working on feeling and getting close to God and having a spiritual experience. But I can't skip that. If you start with the lower fear, then you know what's automatically going to happen? You've instilled in your soul the humility that is necessary to feel, con- to, to, to constrict. You see, here's the thing. The lower fear is much lower than the love. Both levels of love. Because both levels of love, even the lower love is higher than the lower fear. The lower love is the vav. The, the, higher, the, higher, the higher love is the hay. It's for sure much higher than the lower hay. In God's name, the letters, the yutke vavke, the lowest is the hay, so it's the much lower level. But guess what? The lower level and the highest level of fear are connected to each other. You know why they're connected? Because they both have the same character, that in both of them you're cringing. In, bo- in love, you're expanding. In fear, you're cringing. And the, 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 the similarity that it has in the lower fear and the higher fear is in both of them, you cringe. Cringe means you're doing the opposite. You're contracting instead of, instead of um, expanding. And when you have an initial contraction, but here you still have control because you're not in a spiritual place. You're still very, very earthy. You're just waking up in the morning. You're rubbing your eyes. You're not in this, but you humbly say, I accept you, God, as my king. Oh, once you contract, you, Chazal also say an interesting statement. You did not start davening. You first have to have humility before you daven. Even though davening is all about spiritual ecstasy and excitement and fire and fervor and yearning. Yeah. But the beginning of it, it has to be a humility. Once you contract at the beginning on the lower level of contraction, then guess what's going to happen? When you go higher and higher and higher, you're never going to go off target because you went into it because God said so. So when, two, two reasons I want you to hear. Number one, it's because you're basing your entire Yiddishkeit, your entire spiritual experiences and ecstasy, because God said so. So you're always going to sense what God wants. And when it's going to come point, a point where you have to slam on the brakes, you have to pull back and turn around and focus your energy downward and fear Hashem, you're going to do so. Why? Because you based it on what Hashem wants. And then you're going to sense what Hashem wants. Hashem doesn't want you to expire. Or, or as we said earlier, if you've gotten used to already contracting, you're going to be able to contract when you get to the ultimate expansion. You're also going to be able to contract. It's a much higher contraction then. There it's a contraction of God's essence. Here you're contracting only from God's external manifestation as king. But still, the two are related. In Kabbalah there is a phrase, Abba Yasid Brata. The father is the foundation of the daughter. So what does that mean? It says, Mamash, this idea. In Kabbalah, there are four, there is a family. There is father, mother, son, and daughter. Malchus is called daughter. The emotion of love and all the emotions 
they're called son, ben. Bina, the great expanse of love that we spoke about before, is called mother. And the higher fear, the yud of God's name, Chachma, is called father. The foundation of the daughter is the father. They're related to each other because they're both fear. This is a simple fear, and this is a sophisticated fear, a much higher fear, but they're both fear. So one of them relates to the other one. Hear these words now. Bizos. Zos, we said before, is Malchus. So Hashem tells Aaron HaKohen, tells Moshe to warn the Kohanim. Valyove, they shouldn't come behold Eisel HaKodesh. They shouldn't come at all times to holiness. Bizos. With the simple humility of Zos, with Zos is Malchus, which means with Kabbalah's O Malchus with the acceptance of God as your king. Yavoy Aaron, Aaron should come in, hear these words, El HaKodesh, to a holy experience, that's the simple meaning. Aaron should come into a holy experience, Bizos, with a simple humility, with a, through, first walking through Malchus, the acceptance of O Malchus Shemaim, but now listen to it on a deeper level. Bizos, through Zos of Malchus, you're going to reach Kodesh, Kodesh in Kabbalah and Chasidis. Kodesh refers to that revelation of Chachma. Chachma is called Kodesh. The highest sphera is called Kodesh because it's ultimate transcendence. How do you get, we asked before, when you're holding by such spiritual ecstasy, when you're holding by such desire to leave your body to expire in God's life, how do you pull back? Bezois. If you begin your avodah with bezos, with simple ol malchashemayim, yava you will come el akodesh to the holiness of the revelation of chachmi Allah, the higher chachma that will cause you to contract because you'll suddenly feel who you're connecting to. You'll get scared and you'll 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 you'll, you'll be thrown back out of fear and return back into your body. So bezos yava el akodesh. Nadav and Aviyu did not have that. They did not have that. They skipped this. They, that's what the Zohar means when it says they left Knesset Yisrael outside. They left her outside. They didn't come with her. And as a result of that, what happened? They went up higher and higher and higher and higher. And they failed to return. They never returned. They went up and they didn't come back. They came close to God. And they died because they had no breaks. They had no way to control themselves when they got up there. And their souls just departed by the sweetness and ecstasy and bliss of the divine kiss. And they couldn't hold it back. But it wasn't what God wants. Because Hashem doesn't want the departure of the neshama from the body. And that's what it means. They weren't married on two levels. Number one, they weren't married means, we said before, they didn't have the element of woman in their life, which is fear of God. Secondly, they weren't married. Married means that you have to be a mashpia to bring down light downward. When you're married, you're a husband, you're giving light down into, the, into your wife. You're, 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 you're a mashpia, you're an influencer. You're giving, you're channeling uh, all of your uh, uh, care and, and, and everything down into your family, into your wife, into your family. You're a caretaker, you're the mashpia, you're the giver. They were not a mashpia, they didn't want to have a wife. They didn't want to come down, they only wanted to go up. That's also the meaning that they overdosed. They drank a lot of wine. In the Zohar it says that when Yaakov brought wine to Yitzchak, it says, When Yaakov brought wine to Yitzchak, Yaakov did something before he gave Yitzchak the wine. He poured in a little water. He mixed the wine, the He mixed the wine with water. 
And that's the key to everything. If you allow the wine, because what does wine do? Wine is bina. Wine comes from the level of bina. Wine creates the excitement, the fervor. You drink wine, you get excited. It burns. It's like pouring kerosene on a fire. And it inflames them. It means the secrets of the Torah. Higher, 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 and kaboom. So you have to pour a little water into it. You have to mix water in the fire, in the, in the, in the wine. Yaakov did that. But they went and shtuyayayin without wine. With, with, just with wine, not with water. Meaning they lost it completely in their thirst, in their spiritual quest. And this fusion that we're speaking, over, that we're speaking about over here, of the love, the yearning, the transcendence, and the fear that causes one to recoil. The fact that the two have to go hand in hand. You can't have a love and an excitement without the fear that, that, that causes one to step back. This fusion of Ava Vayira, of love and fear, is so fundamental and so important to the experience, to the Jewish, to our spiritual connection to the Abishter, to our performance as Jews in the world, that it begins very, very, very at our very, very beginning. The, the deeper meaning, according to the Zohar, according to the mystical aspect of Akedas Yitzchak, was exactly this, the binding of Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac. Because Avram Avinu represents love, Avram Ohavi, Avram who serves me out of love. Yitzchak, Isaac, is the one who serves God out of fear. But you can't be one track. There has to be a connection of both of them together. The binding of Yitzchak represented the connection of Avram and Yitzchak fusing, coming together. So even though Avram Avinu was the epitome of love, when he restrained himself, through doing the Akedas Yitzchak, God says to him afterwards, now I know, that you fear God, it's not enough to love me, but you also fear me. And when Avram accomplished this fusion of, 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 of love and fear together, that was the purpose of Akedas Yitzchak. And the same also happened by Yitzchak, even though externally Yitzchak serves God with fear and with awe, but internally his, 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 uh, his innards are, are, are bursting with love. So by Avram Avinu, his external is love, and internally his fear. By Yitzchak, externally what is visible is the fear, and inside is the love. But both of them have to go together, and that is the deeper meaning of Akedas Yitzchak. So that's why the Pasuk says over here further, Bezos Yavai Aaron Alakodesh, with this Aaron Shekam Alakodesh, Bepar, with an ox and an isle. So the par and the isle, the ox and the ram, the par, whenever it says par, it's always a... Or, Whenever it it, 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 it it alludes to Avram Avinu, because by Avram Avinu we find the words Vallabaka Rutz Avram. Avram is running after the, the, the cattle. So when it says par, it's it's referring to Avram. When it says Ayel, the ram, the ram is always Yitzchak, Eloishel Yitzchak, the ram of the Akedah, the ram of Yitzchak. So the Pasak is telling Aaron, Bizos Yovo, you should come with the Midah, with the element of Zos, which is, which, is the, which, which is the acceptance of the yoke of heaven, which leads you, El Akodesh, to the higher fear. And how should you come with Avram and Yitzchak fused together? The par, ben bakar, the ayel, bring them both together because you need to have this fusion. It's also another interesting idea. That's the reason why by Akedas Yitzchak, when Yitzchak, when they found the ayel, when they found the ram, it says that that ram was created at twilight. In the six days of creation was becoming Shabbos. At that moment, that's when Yitzchak, uh, that's when this ram was created. What was the significance of the ram being created then? Because the twilight is the unification of day and night. Which day and night, day is chesed, which represents love. And night is Gvura, which represents fear. 
And Beinash Moshe is that fusion of both of them. Since the Akedas Yitzchak was meant to bring about the fusion of Avram energy and Yitzchak energy, to integrate one from the other, love and the fear, therefore the ram was created Beinash Moshe. And that is what Aaron has to come with, that fusion of both of them together. Now we'll also understand the whole idea that we had mentioned about, about Korach. You see, the Levium and the Kohanim also represent love and fear. Kohanim are associated with the right side, which is chesed, which is associated with drawing godly energy down. And the Levium, who are on the left side, are associated with fervorish, exciting service, worship, that help, that, that where they're singing and they're yearning and they're pining to cleave above. Yitz, the Levium are fire and the Kohanim are water. And the, the way Mo, that Hashem set it up is that the Leviim have to be submissive to the Kohanim. They have to be secondary to Kohanim. Because as much as you experience the spiritual ecstasy and yearning to ascend, to transcend, yet you have to be overpowered with a downwardness, which means a settling of Hashem's light into the world is what the Kohanim do. Associate with the idea of fear in this case, which is the bringing godliness into the world, not escaping. What Korach wanted was that Korach wanted to uh, uh, disconnect the Levium from the Kohanim. He wanted that the Levium should stand on their own. They should not be subservient to the Kohanim. So Ko- Korach's idea was to separate the love from the fear, to separate the fire from the water. And therefore Korach was was bringing about this, and he was connected to the hate of Nadav and Aviyu, as we just said, because Nadav and Aviyu did not slam on the brakes, they did not recoil, they did not introduce the water element, they only had the wine element. So that's why Korach's Indian, now we also understand why they are, the Zohar says, they are derivative from the Srafim, from the burning angels above. Those burning angels above are also in that one track mode of burning up in God. That's all they want, just to burn up and dissolve in Hashem's life. Very holy! Very, very holy. But it's srafim oimdemimalo. We said earlier, it means against God. What, is, what does it mean against Him? Against the Yudke Vavke. Because the, very, the idea of Yudke Vavke is Hashem channeling His light through the Sphirot with, to, be, to be reside within the creation. It's the whole um, descent, the process of descending light from Yud, from Chachma, to the Hay, to the Bina, to the Vav, to the six emotions, and finally down Hay into Malchus. The descending, the infusion of godliness into the world is Yud Kevavke. And they stand detrimentally opposed to the Yud Kevavke, which, and Nadav and Aviyu, they were the Shrafim in this world. They got burnt up in God. And Korach was also a derivative of that. However, Korach was unholy. His fight was for ego, for his own power, but yet they're aligned one with each other. He's a Rasha, they're Tzadikim, but yet it has the same flavor, it has that same kernel of, of that same notion of upwardness and not thinking about the drawing of Hashem down within the world. So what, but let's go back. So what was the alien fire that they brought? So let me add just one point. Automatically, whenever you're burning up for God, whenever you're burning up for God, they were souls inside a physical body. So when their souls, now they ate, let me ask you a thing, they, they were human people, they were human beings. So did they eat breakfast the day before? Probably, they didn't fast. Or maybe they fasted a little, but they ate, or they could never lived. Every time you have a spiritual excitement and your body is excited and fervent in prayer, included in that is some physical cal- calories that you're burning. It happens all the time. It has to happen. You can't get excited and davening without burning. 
Because your body is excited. You're, you're, if if, if you, you need koach, and the koach you're getting from the physical, the physical food you eat and your physical body is the fuel for this excitement. And that's the purpose of all of creation, that we should take physical, what was once physical, our physical blood and the food that we eat, and turn it into godly, and elevate this. That's called the whole avod of elevating sparks. We take the physical elements of the world and we elevate it. And primarily through our fervor, our animal soul with our physical body, with the food that we eat, gets elevated and consumed in our godly excitement when we daven. That fire that we're bringing when we're doing that is called Eish Zara. It's called, it's called a foreign fire. You know why it's called a foreign fire? Because that very fuel, that passion, that fuels the passion, the fire, the, the calories that fuel the passion, physical calories that you ate, is from klipa, it's coming from the unholy. How do we know it's from the unholy? Most people who will eat that piece of bread will fire up for God or will fire up for something else. Most people who will eat that uh, piece of chicken, after they eat their food, will they use the fire, the consume, the energy they get from the food for godly things or for unholy things? Most people will use it for unholy things. There's only few people who will take that energy and use it for God. That means that essentially it's a type of fuel that is not holy yet. It's klipa. It comes from klipa snoga. If it's kosher food, you could make it holy. You're supposed to make it holy. And the whole purpose of our neshama being in a body is to burn these calories up to God. It's gavaldic. That's what karbanes are. That's our whole purpose. However, here's an important idea. How can you take physical stuff and Elevated to God. How can you do that? It's unholy. It's klipa. The answer is it goes through a powerful filter. There's a filter that filters it. And when it filters it, it takes out the bad from the good. I'm going to give a physical example. When you eat food, some of the food you eat goes up into your brain. And becomes part of your brain. But it wouldn't be able to go there. It has to go through the liver. It has to go through a lot of filters. Only the finest, cleanest blood can go to the brain. If it doesn't have a filter, and chas v'sholem, the course thicker blood will go up to the brain, God forbid, it will cause a brain clot, chas v'shalem, it will cause death. Horrible, a stroke or something. Because the filter needs to filter, it can only be the finest blood that will go up, or whatever, not even blood, that ends up going up into the brain, and when it goes up. Without the filter, is very dangerous. What's the filter that filters all physical food that we eat, or physicality, and later consumes in our fire to God, the filter is our Yiras Hashem, Kabbalah's O Malchus Malchus is the filter. If you, if you engage in spirituality with first accepting God's, because God is your king and he commanded you to do so, in that filter, it filters the ego, it filters the coarseness of the physical world, and it allows what is going through it to be refined and elevated, it can be elevated to God. But when you take Knesset Yisrael, what the Zohar says, and you don't have Malchus, and you leave her outside, then what happens? Then and you you and then two two things happen simultaneously by Bnei Aaron. Number one, their neshamis they dissolved in God's light, Gavaldik. That itself was a sin. But including in that is some of their physical earthiness came along in it. Being that there was no Malchus filter over there, there was no Kabbalah Sayyid Malchus Shamayim, the acceptance of heaven, it was lacking that filter, so it's like putting into the brain blood that's not filtered. 
Chas v'shalem, it's allowing Klippa to go into Elokus. And that's the idea of Eishara, foreign fire. That's the meaning of that when you bring Ketores, you don't put fire on the Ketores. You first have to have the fire on the outer Mizbeach. And over there you create the coals. And you take those coals and you put it on the inner Mizbeach. What happened is, they took fire. What is that? That's the filter. The lower, the outside Mizbeach, according to Kabbalah, is Malchus. The inner Mizbeach is a much higher level. It's Bina. It's the higher. The two Hays. The two Mizbeachs are the two Hays of Hashem's name. You can only go into the higher hay if you first go from the lower hay and you first filter, first you make coals in the outer mezbeach, then you take from those coals and you put it on the inner mezbeach. When they did not do that because they did not have their Kabbalah soil Malchus Shemayim in place, so they skipped the outer mezbeach, it's like they brought fire directly, put it on the inner mezbeach, that Hashem did not command them. And this is what it is. And the lesson to all of us is obviously we're not in a state of ecstasy. When Mashiach will come, we are. But it means that we should always know that spirituality also has to be kosher. And not just because something is exciting and wonderful and fervorish and something and this and that means that it's a good thing because people are. The question is, is you always have to base it on one question. If I asked a rav, a rabbi, is this okay, kosher or not? Am I supposed to do this or not do this? That's what it needs to be based on. Your beginning initiation and every aspect of Yiddishkeit has to be, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? This is what the Eberster wants me to do. Then all spiritual climbing and all that has, is based on what the Eberster wants, and then it's kosher. And then, but if chas v'shalom, we just allow it to just be, because just as it is, that can be very dangerous, and against the Eberster's will. So that's the, that's the important message that we get out of all of this. So just to conclude, um, the Chedushi Harim, this is all what I told you is a mimer mainly from the Tzemach Tzedek, even though this idea about this Ratzai without the Shuv is discussed in all Chassidic Svarim. I saw about it in Tildus Yaakov Yosef, the first Chassidic Sefer in Be'er Mayim Chaim, and countless, everybody's all discussing this idea, all in their own way, but mainly this concept. But one beautiful idea, says the Chedushi Harim, from the first Gera Rebbe in this whole idea, he says, really, every time you do a mitzvah, you're supposed to come to a point. Your excitement by the mitzvah is supposed to lead you to be at, this, at, at the threshold of this kiss. Every time you do a mitzvah, you're supposed to be at the threshold of this kiss. You're supposed to be at the point where you're dying in the, in the, in the excitement of the mitzvah. Like Rabbi Levi Yitzhak of Bradijiv. Like stories. Like, like yes, What holds you back? God commanded v'chai bahem. Hashem said by all mitzvahs, v'chai bahem, you should stay alive in them. Hashem's commandment that you should stay alive in them is what keeps your neshama back in the body and gives you chayas. But because this ketores was ketores that Hashem did not command, since this was not a mitzvah given them directly by God, so there was no explicit statement of the Ebeshter v'chai bahem, you should live in them. So if there was no special commandment of the Ebeshter v'chai bahem, what happened? So it was just the, 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 the nature of coming close without God protection of you should live in them and keeping the neshama back in the body so they didn't have that protection. And as a result of that, their neshama is dissolved in, in, into the Eitzel. But the ultimate purpose and the ultimate inyan is to bring Hashem down into this world. And, uh, and it's interesting, that's why we said earlier that the tikkun of uh, Nadav and Aviyu came in Pinchas. Because Pinchas you find is the ultimate, he becomes Eliyo and Avi, and even when he goes up in heaven, he goes up with his body. Body and soul. It is the separation of the shama from body is not meant to be. 
So Pinchas is, is, is he refines his kalim, his vessel, so much, even the kalim can go up, but still he keeps the shaman and body together. It's not a departure of soul and body. And that's the tikkun of, of, of the chait of, of, of Nadav and Aviyu. And Pinchas is Eliyahu. And Eliyahu and Avi is the one who comes to be Mavasha the Giyula. Um, obviously, um, thousands of years of Torah and mitzvahs that we've stayed the course and we're here and we've done mitzvahs throughout all this time. Now it's time already that we don't have to run to heaven and run away from the body because physicality has already become refined, purified, and elevated and is waiting for Hashem's light to fill the entire world. We should see it now. Oh, my God.